This is Courtney. I play McKenna Ali, your favorite Loxodon. Well, let's be honest, your favorite character. I want to thank you for joining us on this adventure. Starlight has taken a lot of love from all four of us, and from the bottom of our hearts, we are so thankful. Every review, every subscribe, every Patreon subscriber, or in any way that you give back to Starlight means the world to us. And in case you didn't know, each reading or review helps reveal our podcast for those finding new podcasts and adventures to go on. I truly hope you enjoy the venture ahead. Until next time, see you later, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, guys. It is March. It is that time of the year. You know what month it is. It is the month of... St. Patrick's Day. And... I've heard recently it's the month for women, where women are celebrated. And so it's good to be an elephant on two legs who's a woman. Hence why, as the group of spacers have split off into three different directions, we have chosen this month to feature McKenna Ollie's story. And also, she just happened to be available when the others weren't. So, well, there you go. Um, For the record, Isaac totally made up this is the month of McKenna Ollie's story in the moment. But now, it is the month of McKenna Ali's story. So every episode, you'll get a little snippet of McKenna Ali. And there we go. So welcome to Starlight. Uh, it's been super fun. Um, I feel like us, we as a crew have been kind of growing in our craft, our ability just to tell stories and to also bring you a cinematic experience. And we hope to continue raising the bar. And with that, let us jump into McKenna Ali's story on this episode of Starlight. Let's do it. I'm ready. Neuralink, would you please mind accessing memories? Accessing. Having escaped the local jail with Thirstine, a hacker or slicer in the employ of Mr. Grimble, dwarven assistant to Speaker Holst, member of the House of Dictates, and owner of Bomboy's Repair Shop, McKenna is presented an intriguing proposition. Grimble has become disillusioned with Speaker Hulse's leadership and intentions, and is willing to help McKenna and the Spacers in flushing the Great out of her hiding place. Proving that the bombing of the House of Roses was done by the halfling Thyra, Grimble reveals even more bombshells. Thyra kidnapped Hulse's lover, a brain in a vat, and she is also a trafficker of sense, artificial beings. If McKenna can recover Hulse's lover from Thyra's staging ground, a orphanage she founded, then Grimble will have the means to ascend to power over all the House of Dictates himself. In return, he will reveal Speaker Hulse's location, where McKenna will be able to recover the trunk of her long-lost friend, and perhaps gain more answers in regards to the Sunmaker's disappearance. Memories retrieved. We jump in, and we start with you receiving one point of inspiration. On top of that, it can be for either Clive or Atlas. Who would you like to pass inspiration on to? Atlas. Definitely Atlas. Don't tell him this, but I was very impressed by him last game. That's definitely making the cut. 
Nope, don't tell him. Okay. <laughs> well, then we start with the uh, camera, a aqualine blue. There is bubbles that kind of fizz as the motor of the aquarium starts to run. The last of the fish is kind of flitting its way throughout the tank as this lurking shape of this turtle with flippers, probably about four times the size, scaled, cracked along the back, makes its way up in a head that gnarls out from the shell and has this dragon tooth snout just and eats it. The camera kind of pierces the veil of the aquarium to the other side, where a short dwarf, raggedy beard, long waxed mustache, and kind of like tattered clothes beneath a like workman's suit, um, shakes the hand of a worn, tired, but always put together, locks it on elephant, McKenna Ali. Well, Mr. Grimble says, looking up at you. On with the details, I suppose. Yes, um, I guess the first thing will be going to the orphanage to adopt my next daughter. Can you tell me how to get there? <laughs> tell you how to get there. I can do one better. I could have Thurstein show you, if you wish. Great, yeah. Lead the way, Thurstein. Thurstein kind of is like mulling over as he is uh, making himself a drink over at the mini bar. And he's kind of like putting a lime up along the rim, looks over, takes a sip, <laughs> sets it down. Well, I could take you, but from the sounds of it, you want to go adopt a child. Most adoption places aren't running at this hour. And it's at that moment you remember that it is probably somewhere in the nature of 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Oh. <laughs> um, well, do you mind if I just sleep on the couch for the evening and then you and I can go bright and early in the morning? I don't really have a place to stay, seeing as how I just escaped from prison. Seems on the up and up to me. I'd agree. Great. Although I don't think that I have any blankets that are bigger than human size. Certainly. Not Loxodon. Well, and, I'll just uh, need like three or four then. I think I have a few extra apron coverings. And Grimble kind of like walks his way through the uh, room, kind of rattling tools, grabbing different things. There are a few blankets he brings. Um, and he gives them to you for you to uh, curl up for a night's rest. There is kind of like a period of time when like just Grimble and Thirstine are kind of talking amongst one another. Um, but eventually Grimble kind of yawns and <sighs> Grimble, before you, before you leave, hmm? um, are we safe here? Like, is there security or is there a reason to be on high alert? <laughs> no one's going to touch you here. Don't worry. The security's nailed down. Okay. I mean, the turtle? Is the turtle secure, too? Thirsty looks up at it, and, well, on a occasion, I think it's moved a flipper or two outside the top, but I think you're fine. Okay, that is a very startling turtle. 
And I'm going to kind of scoot further away from the tank. The entire sofa just... (laughs) As you scoot it back across kind of the cement flooring. Um, And it's with that that you hear Grimble kind of like bid you adieu. Uh, Thirsting kind of finishes up his drink and... I don't sleep much anymore these days. Have a good night, darling. And he also makes to follow Grimble maybe 30 minutes after the dwarf has left. The last thing you kind of hear is the rattling of chains, the elevator kind of like going up into the main body of like the the large shed directly above you. I don't want to break any trust here. Um, And I do want to sleep. But if I could briefly just if there's any like paperwork I can look at without moving around anything around, um, any weird art, um, any just signs that would tell me this guy's like, he's definitely what he's saying he is, or he's definitely not. Go ahead and give a investigation roll. That's a ten. Yeah, as you're kind of looking around, it you see a lot of just like kind of like mainstays of. Some of Grimble's, like, interests, you find, like, a a hollow net disc that kind of, like, shows, like, past uh, horse races across the galaxy. Mm -hmm. He seems to be a betting dwarf, and you see that he has a particular interest in vodka. Um, Obviously, the turtle, there's stuff Mm -hmm. all about the turtle all around. There is one thing that does bother you somewhat or catches your eye. In the, uh, you see a hand kind of like hanging out from a workstation. At first, it kind of it it looks humanoid. And that's what kind of gets your attention. You kind of come to look at it closer, and then you realize that it's one of Thyra's sex bots that's been dismantled and left there. There is no light in the eyes, and there is just this kind of itching feeling the back of your neck that he had mentioned that they had infiltrated using the guise of the bots and the scents. And there's just that little question that makes you wonder if this was a living scent at one point. Mm. Is there a way to tell by looking at it or like investigating it further to see if it was a living scent at one point? Make a biology check. 16. Okay. I would go to the Neuralink um, and see if there's anything there. And also, I know that synth veins are blue um, from Clive. So I would know what Clive's body looks like. I know his blood is clear. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking for that kind of thing. You find, as you uh, kind of like have to press at some of like the artificial skin and some of the ruptures there is a faint clear liquid that runs clear you also look for the um neural link there or the area where the neural link would be that section of the the base of the skull is torn free and there's just a like uh convex hole in the back suggesting that this probably was a synth as bots generally don't have Neuralinks. bots sometimes do but those are usually like high military grade robotics and this suggests to you at one point this was a synth okay. well 
I'm going to get some rest tonight and be sure to ask about this in the morning. Um, so I'm going to go to sleep now. Yes. Okay. So you, you pull the mini blankets um, and few greasy aprons close and you settle into sleep. And there's this one moment where you just startle up as the sound of water splashes and the flipper kind of comes out the top of the dragon turtle. Oh my god! And then it slides back in and it nestles to the bottom. I'm going to move the couch as far away across the room. There's that as the one good bolt that was holding it in place rips free and you hoist it onto your shoulder (laughs) and and set it behind one of the desks with a with that there's no windows down here or anything you just kind of eventually wake up and um when you do wake up there is kind of a simple smell familiar it's just scrambled eggs and you see just thirsting down there and he has a plate um on the couch that wasn't moved and a plate on his lap he's continuing to eat his eggs not even noticing that you woke up Good morning, Thirsting. And I'm going to stretch and go eat some food next to him on the couch that was not moved. Oh, darling, you're awake. Yes. Oh, oh please, Dice. That was my second plate, but uh, I'm supposed you could have them. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you needed two. You can... Can I just get three of them? Uh, no, no, just, just take them. You're going to need your budding strength if you're going to be adopting from Thyra, isn't it? Yes, yes, I'm very excited I'm going to be a mom again today. So, um, I should ask, uh, it's not a cheap endeavor. Do you have funds? Well, that was a future McKenna problem. The whole funds aspect. Are all your problems future problems, or do you ever solve anything in the moment? Well, some are past problems, and some are future problems, and there's very, very rare that it's in the moment problems although there is one in the moment problem i wanted to ask you about hmm shoot there's a dead synth body over there and he kind of follows your finger where you're pointing and he nods his head slowly hmm who is that don't know her name i think that uh the locals called her crystal why is she here and not operating? Well, he pats the side of his leg, a familiar place where you know he keeps his gun. And he says, same thing I told you last night, dear. Aliases. I can't just stand at the front of Thyrus' uh, business of operations and keep an eye on her lily press now, can I? Without being someone else. But she was alive at one And point. now she's not. Did you just kill her so that she would be an alias? Well, I did it quickly. Well, Thirstine, that is not ethical or kind, and that's a behavior that you will need to change. He takes a bite of his eggs and... Well, I'm not paid to be ethical. I'm paid to be a slicer. 
and a, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, commandeer of information. So I commandeered what I need, and the credits appear in my account. There's not much else I can say, dear. Thirsteen, there is a way to commandeer without killing innocent scents, or people, or beings who have identity and lives, and <laughs> it's wrong. Well, it's, it's wrong. We can disagree on the ethics of that, can't we? Where I come from, my humble beginnings and roots, sense are nothing more than computers that think they have feelings. And this is a age-old argument, and one that I don't think we will solve over eggs. I just want to say, to think you have feelings proves that you have feelings. But is it a program, or is it thinking? It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't? Even if it's a program that's thinking, it's it's thinking, and it's feeling, and and to, and to do otherwise is immoral. And what about uh, Gamma Trope? You know, the uh, highly advanced chess game. Well, that thing thinks. Does that make it living? It does not. It does not feel. Do you have to think to feel? That's what I kind of understood from what you are saying, dear. No, but in order to feel, you have to think. Hmm. Well, I must say, then I think that uh, you're running circles around my little head. I think it's best if I just stick to gathering data and harvesting numbers and gathering the occasional alias. Okay, well, we will come back to this. But for now, it is time to adopt. Um, it looks like you did bring up a problem that I'm going to have in the near future, and that's the funds dilemma. So maybe part of this deal can be you paying the adoption fees. Um, go ahead and make a persuasion roll. 17. You're rolling really well. <laughs> I know. He finishes the last bite and kind of like pats his chest. <sighs> Mr. Grimble uh, approved such a thing. He thought that this might be prudent. Um, and so we have whatever is reasonably needed to buy a child, so to speak. Oh, yay. That's going to be lovely. I cannot wait. Well, let's go. Uh, oh, I do have to remember that I'm not just there to adopt a child, right? There's something else I need to be doing. The brain, the, the vat, the brain vat. Got it. But the child is, is very exciting to me. You'll never believe what happened to my daughter before. He's, this is like a second chance. He stares you up and down, not quite used to watching elephant features as the musculature is just slightly different. But he does raise an eyebrow, and he slowly says, You wouldn't be happening to get off topic here, would you? Because I didn't risk myself in that prison to simply help you adopt a child so that you can criff off this planet. Thirsting, it was a joke. Go ahead and make a deception roll. But it actually was a joke. <laughs> Was it actually? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. To like say like, oh, I'm more excited to adopt this. I mean, I am more excited, but I wasn't trying to deceive him. It was actually okay. a joke. Make a charisma, straight charisma roll then. Can it, is there a humor? <laughs> oh, an eight. 
he tugs at this his beard which is neatly combed and curled today hints of silver and white speckles across kind of like these not wizened eyes but like crow eyes and he slowly leans forward and squints his eyes I'd hate for you to get off topic when I risked my life to rescue someone who isn't paying me good points um now on to the that brain um host lover unless you're 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 ready for details well there's one thing most adoption agencies aren't going to be thrilled about adopting to a single loxodon so i was wondering how you might feel about pretending to be my partner just so it looks like that we are a couple so it's more believable going in there when we ask a child to show us around um, the facility. Make a persuasion roll with advantage. That is a 19 and a 12. So 19. He scratches his head. There's like a faint quiver at the lips. That would be acceptable i suppose (sighs) although i don't think that it'll be uh good so to speak if an loxodon is walking around the only loxodon the loxodon who is being searched for currently oh i won't be a loxodon don't worry and how long can you change your form dear well, for an hour at a time, but I can do it three times in a day. So we'll just have to wrap it up after three hours. Three times in a day? But you, yes. You, you run out of nanobots after that much time? Well, I think they just get tired, and it's hard to change this big of a form after three times. And the <coughs> nanobots need sleep, too. That is the most unscientific method that I've ever heard talked about it. But, in which case, I have a better plan. Okay. And he stands up and walks across the room to a casing. He, the casing has a um, keyboard keyboard on the front, and he types in a, a set of numbers, and it opens up with a He pulls out two collars made of metal, thin. It almost looks like diadems, which you would wear on your head, but a kind of futuristic one with all the circuitry. He pulls one and it wraps around his neck tightly. And once it hits his neck um, from the head up, you watch as he turns his head shifts as an illusion kind of just comes to life. (sighs) And suddenly he is a kind of tan skinned, almost uh, Middle Eastern looking half elf with a completely bald head. Wow, Thirstine, what a great disguise. I see you have another one there. For you. You can take these collars. This is awesome. Thank you. And uh, depending on how you perform, maybe you can keep it. But for right now, I would rather not take the chance that you run out of nanobots and someone recognizes you. So go on. That is a very good idea. Strap it on there and uh, yes, right like that and press the button. And... Immediately, it sizzles and begins to register, and on, and it starts communicating with your neural link back and forth, and you have three options that come up that you can make your head look like something else. 
what are those three options and what do they look like? Does it have to be the size that I am now? It's just your head that changes. Oh, so I have elephant hands (laughs) and feet? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Option one is a dwarf that has red frizzy hair um, with pox all over her face. A human with long blonde hair with perfect skin and a another human with shorts black kind of at her chin length hair um very very pale and which one do you pick long blonde hair and suddenly it goes you can't tell any difference until you look into one of the mirrors and you see this woman with long blonde hair but because of the nature of the um collar it almost kind of makes it look like it's the hair tucks it into your shirt and Mm. you have voluptuous lips you have kind of thick eyebrows and eyes that kind of are a amber brown very nice dear Mm. very nice thank you thank you we just need to put on uh well, we're just going to have to find ourselves a cloak or something to cover up. Um, and he kind of points at your arms and your feet. Well, I have shoes. So I put shoes on. Um, and then I guess like some kind of robe. And if you have gloves, Thirsting, gloves will work. I think I can rummage something up. Um, and lastly, you don't just walk into an adoption agency. There's papers. There's things to be done. And I so happen to be a slicer, a hacker. So. Great. Oh, it is great. And you're going to help me come up with our backstory. Our aliases. Oh, lovely. This is going to be fun. so, with that, he brings you to a computer that he sets up. Um, It is an actual like computer that's hardwired it's the it's the big times it's not like the kind the supercomputer that you guys kind of have embedded in your the back of your skull this this computer is made for military type operations or building great things um and he begins to work out your guys's aliases your backstory We are getting to this part. He turns the screen for you to see, and you can see all of like the the forms are filled out for this adoption agency here. You see that he's one of the uh, nearby city systems uh, within Thela Colony uh, Sanctuary, and he points to the last bit where he says, "I'm gonna need your name and uh, some of your history." Do you want my real name or, like, a fake name? <sighs> Aliases, dear. Do you want to go in oh. as McKinley? Well, I mean, I like my name, but I could see how it would be unfitting here, and it's a really good name, and my parents really thought out my name, so it's kind of sad to think... Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm uh, going too far. Um, let's... Let's go... Marty... 
Um, McFly. Marty <laughs> McFly. There's something mm-hmm. about that that's familiar. I am going to fill in that I am your partner. Do not wed. Husband. Not wed. Well, you know they're going to be less likely to adopt to us. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. 23? He kind of like rubs his chin, looks at you. (sighs) Aliases. And I will be... So your last name needs to be McFly. Josiah McFly is my name. (laughs) I love it. That's a great name, Josiah. Jess-siah. Josiah. Mm, I should write that down. Now, Marchie McFly, um, we are going to need uh, a game plan with this. Mm-hmm. I'm not fooled by the fact that you aren't telling me you aren't excited about adopting a kid. I don't really care to know why. But that's not why we were going there. So, how is this going to help us? What is your plan? (laughs) Well, it will look weird to go in there, say we want to adopt, and then not actually adopt and walk out with a kid. So there needs to be a plan for that kid. So the plan is for me to adopt the kid. And so I think that justifies us looking around without us having to sneak around. Um, and then if by any chance you need to like go off and go to the bathroom and do a little perusing yourself, that's fine too. Um, or if I need to do that as well, but going in to adopt a kid and walking out with a kid gives us the perfect disguise to go in. So what do you expect to go in and get the layout of the place and then come back later? Oh no, I expect to like see the vat and be able to take it in the moment. <laughs> Do you think Thyra and her Lilypress gang are just going to leave someone they've abducted out in the middle of an orphanage? Well, I don't know that they would leave it, like, out on a coffee table. But if there's an office somewhere, um, and we... I mean, maybe worst case scenario, we go there and we get a really good lay of the land. That's a great place to start. Best case scenario, we see inside of an office where there's a weird glob of something on a desk on a desk and oh dear or on a bookshelf is not the size of a jar clazazel i mean is nearly the size of you clazazel what what was she she is what mr grimble told you she is a vat of muscular tissue brain living organism the size of me well, maybe, like, her herself, what remains of Clazazel, is eh, probably about the size of it. And he kind of, like, makes this shape with his arm where it kind of, like, is like this circle that kind of, like, goes all the way around his arms, kind of up to his chest. Kind of giving you the idea that's, like, maybe the size of a large bag. But mm-hmm. the vat she is in is easily the size of you. Okay, so we're probably not going to walk out with the vat today. But I do think that it would be beneficial to get a lay of the land in the orphanage. And with that in mind, we're probably going to have to adopt a kid today. 
Well, then I guess it's time that we go check it out. Well, let's do it, Mr. Josiah McFly. And I'm going to try to grab onto his hand and walk out the door. Go ahead and make a contested, make an an acrobatics roll versus his. Oh, that is a nat one. Twelve. He moves his hand quickly out of your grasp. We can save the PDA for when we're there. Will do. And you. And I'm gonna walk ahead. You. Guys, make the way out of the basement, up the elevator and out of Bomboy's robo-repair. He leads you through um, Nanoi, and before you leave, obviously, he gets you situated with, uh, like, a long kind of covering and some, like, thrown-together gloves. Um, And you just, you look like a giant woman. And uh, (laughs) probably with, like, most people seem to kind of move out of the way for you and uh there's kind of like a crowd of people that you're pushing through kind of like the normal hubbub um although the the, there's something more dour about the air the atmosphere there everyone seems to be kind of on edge a little anxious um and you know it becomes you you already know why obviously it's because of the bombing and uh along the way you know, mm-hmm. um, Thurston kind of explains to you that, you know, the image of Aphid has appeared in multiple people's heads, uh, thanks to Speaker Holst. And so there's, there's kind of like that sense of impending doom, and it is made all the worse by the overcast kind of skies. You do kind of watch here or there for uh, maybe Atlas or Clive, but you don't necessarily see them uh go ahead and make a perception roll as you're making your way through the crowds um that is a 18 there is a figure that you recognize although the figure doesn't recognize you he seems to be kind of sitting up against a a water fountain with air quotes around it because it is a um monument on which holographics have been built so that it looks like it's showering water out in this like super grand kind of loop-de-loop way that kind of spouts into the air and then frizzes out into kind of glitter. And he's sitting below it, kind of playing mm-hmm. with a set of like archaic coins, flip- flicking them in the air. You see Dwindle dressed in elaborate colors, but still slightly different from the very first day you meet him. He doesn't seem, he seems a little bit more withdrawn, a little bit more thinking, and you guys continue pushing through the crowd? Yes. And so you pass by Dwindle. Um, I want you to go ahead and make a deception roll. 12, but I get advantage. Oh, a 12. Will you make a perception roll? A 17. You do kind of cast a glance backwards at Dwindle. And it's at that moment you catch him glancing up at you. 
the kind of like green tiefling eyes with the snake scales kind of around it. They kind of narrow a little bit, but it's kind of like the look of, I feel like I know that person from somewhere, but you're not really sure. And then he gets covered by the crowd and you continue pushing through. Uh, Thurstein's relatively quiet. He takes you um, closer to the Bright War Harbor and there's a series of like buildings on the edge of Brightware Harbor. Um, and it's, but it's kind of like getting a little bit more industrial over here. Uh, you're smelling smokes, that kind of smell of chemicals. There is the sound and the thrum of vehicles that look like they've had their like fairer day in the sun. Um, and this is kind of the area where even like you know you ran you come across like rats dead on the road it's just an in general polluted stinking area the only thing that kind of like is its redeeming factor is it overlooks the sea uh the bright where brightware harbor is it is from what you can see kind of a dull gray blue not like a glittering paradise type sea it is protected by seawalls the harbor is pocked with floating vessels, and you see that these vessels are kind of bobbing up and down lazily from where they're like kind of like hauling up fish and various other aquatic uh, life. Um, and you start to get closer and closer to some like older looking buildings, and eventually you come within about a quarter of a mile of this fenced in. Um, compound that kind of has like barbed wire running around the top of it. You see a neon sign that's kind of flashing and it reads Perth Beginner's House and then it flashes off to the side. There's a little bit of a sparking um, along the edges and it says adoption. Then it flashes again and goes back to Perth Beginner's House. The compound doors are open, revealing a field that has turf set up in it. You see a main building that is about, looks like three stories in height, and it looks probably about the size of any like industrial uh, government building. Stacked along the easternly side are what you see to be four transport cargo boxes, often goods would be loaded in those and taken up into freighters, whether that be an old archaic starship or a dragon. Um, and you just see those kind of off to the side. There is, you can hear like kids playing uh, and you see all manner of kind of kids, mostly in the age range of about sixth grade up to about eighth. Although you see a few older kids kind of leaning up against the walls kind of looking out. You go ahead and make a perception roll. Nine. Hmm. Okay. None of them seem to really pay you any heed as you start to approach. Thirsting kind of pulls at the edge of your elbow. And he's, you see he's holding a data pad and he says, just one more thing, darling. Pushes in a couple things and he just, just slicing into their systems now getting us a time slot in about five minutes. The only question is, is how hard is their coding going to be to break? 
Will you please roll a die 100 roll, a die 100 and a die 10, and you will be helpful to his roll if you're 50 or if you're above 50 percent. Alright, let's see. 41. Ooh, okay. He makes his roll. Oh, good. You watch as he kind of slices his way in, hacking into their system. And I think that if we don't hurry, we're going to be late. Thirsting. I know this is mainly a thing for this mission, but I am really excited to potentially adopt. Keep your head on straight and hopefully you might keep the kid. Yes, sir. And I'm going to hold his hand. And he begrudgingly lets you take it. As you guys start to make your way, the kids uh, as you're approaching through the field, there's kind of a ringing and the kids kind of like line up, not for you, it's almost as if like recess is done. Some of the older kids kind of slouch away from the walls and stomp over and kind of stand in line as a human woman with her hair kind of pulled back in a bun walks out uh, of the main entrance of the building. Now as you get closer you see that the main entrance is a sliding door that opens with a and that closes with a You see all of the windows are completely pitch black. You can't see in there, tinted that dark. And other than that, it's a very uniform building. The kids are dressed in uniform clothes. Mm. It, it, and as well as the teacher, although there seems to be like pins and ranks, it almost seems to have like kind of a military candor to it. Um, hmm. And she marches out with her hands behind her back and just kind of starts kind of like talking to each of the individual kids. And that's when she notices you walking up. She pulls out a data pad and says, Oh, the McFlies. Well, I tell these kids all the time that they need to worry more about being timely. And here you are. Good examples. Thank you. Thank you. We're really thrilled to be here. Just to think that future little McFly could be right in this very room. Well, we can certainly hope and she turns her head and looks up and down the row and you see a few eager kids and when they kind of when her gaze kind of gets to them they kind of straighten up but it's not like a i'm scared of you kind of straighten up it's a i'm supposed to kind of like put on my best show Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kids why don't you show the mcflies that you are well behaved now's the time for you to head in for your lessons while us grown-ups talk about which one of you lucky ones might be going home with a family and you watch as the, she kind of claps her hands with a, and the doors open again with a, and the kids kind of turn. Although it's not perfect military fashion, there's obviously like stragglers and there's those who are kind of not in line all the way, but they start walking and kind of talking to themselves. You see just within the doors and you see what look to be silver bodied bipedal bots. These bots are kind of humanoid in shape, although they don't, they lack facial features. And you see that they're kind of like standing right on the inside. Will you make a perception roll? I was wanted to do that. Um, 19. You see that they are carrying full assault weapons. Well, that's, I don't mean to be too forward. Um, 
But is that a little aggressive for an orphanage? Well, this is Nanoi. Not exactly the safest place, is it? It's for their protection. After all, I'm sure you heard about it. And it'll be good that you get one of these kids out of here. With the bombing and all yesterday. That is fair. And these supposed signs. As the kids are going into that room, um, are there any kids who seem like really, really disheveled? Like they've been here for a long time. Um, They look like maybe they're not treated the best, whether that's by adults or by other kids. Just like a kid who seems to like be the outcast. Go ahead and make a perception roll. 13. You see two, two kids. You see a child who is elven with the blackest of black hairs, raven in nature, kind of comes down to around the bottom of the cheekbone, fair-skinned, high cheekbone, thin eyes, eyes that glimmer like the bluest of seas. And you also see that there are many bruises across her. And she kind of walks with the limp, outcast from the others. There is a kid about 12 or so kids in front of her. And you recognize this boy. You see Sisa and you recognize him because he looks very worn, very tired, very ragged. And with there, I think we'll call that a game. Wait, Sisa, the kid who took us into the temple? Oh, wow. How old is How old is he? He's probably about 14. I was so mean to him. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. McKenna, why were you such an ass? Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.